Hello. Oh, hello, Merlin. How's everything uh, going way up there? Everything is great. Awesome. Uh, I had a breakfast sandwich and three coffees. Oh, wow. Three. Yeah, I've had to record podcasts today, so I figure... What have you been, what have you been recording? Or just oh, you're, you're prepping for, for the, just for this show, or what? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I had to do a Roderick on the line, and, uh, you know, talked a lot about uh, sauces and gravies, so it's, it's been a good, <laughs> good morning. That's good. Yeah, see, this is a weird day for us to record. Thanks for moving it for me. Oh, you kidding me? Podcasts are a movable feast, Dan. They are. You just put them wherever you want, and then yeah. just leave them there. No, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. What, now, what are you doing? Do you, do you have to give a talk or something? What are you I doing? I was invited to give a talk at uh, Startup Riot in Atlanta, Startup Georgia. R- Startup Riot? Startup Riot. Riot? Riot. Riot. R-I-O-T. R-I-O-T. Is that a good idea? You know, it gets people excited about things. It gets people, um, you know, they're motivated to talk and they uh, they, they get excited about it. And it, what it is... It's like, are they going to be like fighting with garbage can lids and stuff? I don't, you know, what I know that, you know what? I could give a flying fig about startups, but if a bunch of white guys in polo shirts were fighting each other with like bats with nails in them, uh-huh. I would totally watch that. No, I would watch that. That's a vertical I would invest That's in. That's a given. Mm-hmm. That's what we call that. But no, you go in and they, they give the, they, all the, uh, the startups that, that get in, they give their little sort of lightning pitch and then they get voted on and I get to, ju- I get to judge them. Finally, I'm being allowed to judge people. And, uh, and I judge them and then, but I also give it, I'm giving a talk. What happens if they lose? Exactly. No, I don't know. They don't get anything if they lose just like real life. Yeah. But I mean like, will they, will they be maimed? I don't think there's violence or, oh, you're talking about the fighting. It uh, says, Dan, it literally says on the tin, it's a riot. I would like to see, <laughs> I think they should have some skin in the game. I think maybe you're, you're some douchebag who, who wants to make an app. That's right. fine. You get $16 million, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> Another guy loses an arm. No, I mean, that's what they call tit for tat. Mm-hmm. So they're all there in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Eye right. for an eye, a startup for a startup. Yeah, but I, I, ass. I have a pretty good idea what I'm going to what I'm going to go and talk about. So, oh, oh, can you share it? You want to give a little, uh, little yeah, flavor? Yeah, sure. You know, drop a deuce, as you say. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about time. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Flowing like a river. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time. I, 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 huh. Do you have any uh, any uh, specificity on that, or just kind of just the whole idea of it's there, it's moving? Well, you know, if you think about what the most, as I uh, we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, as I sort of took a break from coffee, uh, and I was talking about my perception of time has changed oh, and right, time right, is right, a bubble. Right, well, right. it it started to occur to me the more I thought about it that uh, that time is really the one thing that we none of us really control it's our most valuable asset and that that any ways that we have of getting more of our time back i mean that's what is at the crux and the center of productivity right is optimizing our time maximizing our time so if if you're doing a startup right now if you're coming up with an idea if you're doing something like like if you look at the the companies that are out there, you you know in in San Francisco there is a company that will bring you they'll bring you the food, they'll bring it right to you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so when I think about that, or you think about Uber, Uber is saving you time, right? Ordering something from Amazon. The reason I order from Amazon is is not just because they have a better selection than you know Best Buy or or Target or whatever. It's because I don't want to go to Target. Because if I go to Target, I've got to go out of the building. I've got to go to the you know, parking garage and get the car out and drive to it and go. And then I, you know, pay and stand in line. All that. Amazon, I can get the same thing 
yeah, it won't be here today. It'll be here tomorrow because we don't have a drone. But like all of these things are fascinating to me. And so the, the biggest problem that I feel like could be solved in 2015 or in general is like, how do I get more time back? How do I get yeah. time back? So the, the services, the companies, the people who are starting things, that to me is like the key essence of, of everything. Just in, and it all, it all started switching from, uh, from coffee to tea. Wow, it's been a breakthrough for you. It's big time, big time. Um, but anyway, that's my whole talk. I get to fill 30 minutes with that. You'll do fine. All right. Time flies when you're doing a talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got a couple thoughts on that. You know, one thing that comes to mind is, um, isn't it true that for most startups, time is also an issue in the sense of, I'm taking it and turning it a little here, but like a clock is ticking, right? Like you've made a certain commitment, depending on how you want to look at it, you've made a commitment to your investors, yep. even if that's just your parents or whatever, or your angels or whoever, to produce a certain something in a certain amount of time. And you only have so much, I'm going to use this phrase for the first time in my life. Are you ready? Um, you only have so much runway. Isn't that a term they Can use? Can I quote you on that? In, in, yeah, you said in your talk, run, only, mention runway. Only have R so you. Because yeah. um, the clock, that's, isn't that a true thing though? You've got this amount of money. You got to go get the other rounds. I, the, the whole thing is not particularly interesting to me, but it, it is so tired of hearing about it. But you got to be in it. You got to be in it to win it. Burn rate. You got your burn rate for your runway, but that's, that's one aspect in which now, you know, how you decide to spend your time, as you say, or attention in my racket, uh, ends up being hugely important. The other thing is that when you talk about these kinds of services or just the kind of short term evolution of products and services in our, in our time, uh, I, I think your pathways for in how you start to think about time start to really change put, put more simply, I guess plainly, um, your expectations about time really change. And that, from that, you know, a million flowers bloom. Because you start to think about things like, like you're describing, like how antsy we get that we can't have something quickly, right? Like the other night we were wrestling, believe it or not, Dan, wrestling with the Apple TV, trying to uh, get it to do what we wanted it to do. And it's, it's, so, uh, it's so, so interesting to me how it used to be, you know, you go out on a Friday night and half of the event of Friday night was picking out which movie you were going to watch. You spent an hour, hour and a half at the video store. And now, you know, my, my, my Amazon Fire TV is so much more responsive than my Apple TV. I now notice how long it takes. Oh, yeah. And let's be honest, it's not more than usually 15, well, depends. Sometimes I have to restart everything to get it to go at all. But isn't that interesting how your perception of time changes based on your expectations? Oh, it to so, no, it totally is. I mean, those those expectations are uh, are are huge. You know, if you if you really sit there and think about that, I mean, imagine if and you know, John Syracuse pointed this out on uh, on a, an episode of Hypercritical a long time ago when he was talking about how slow his iPhone felt to him, and I'm like, it's not slow. What are you talking about, slow? And he's like, no, it is slow. When I tap this, it takes a you know, and after, ever since then, I felt like every iPhone I've used was slow. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it really is that imagine, you know, going when you're sitting at home or at work and you've got the nice Wi-Fi and you're browsing something and then, you know what, you're you've got a low signal on your phone and you're just trying to load a page and it's taking forever. And then there's that pop up like oh, it's, my ex- goodness, it's yeah. excruciating because of what you're used to, because of what your expectations are. Yeah. Like I, I get calibrated a certain way based on using a certain device in a certain environment. I have a, a certain idea that is mostly met in terms of how long it'll take to do something. And then a funny thing happens, as soon as I fall out of that flow, even if it's not a productive flow, if I go, hmm, I wonder if something's up 
with because we've got like a, an airport express to extend our network right and that can sometimes be a little dodgy depending on which part of the house oh, you're yeah. in and, oh, yeah. and but it's it's I, it'll get kind of worse and worse and worse and then i'll flip off wi-fi and go to lte yeah and and suddenly i'm back in my normal world right. so yeah. what were we really talking about you know but at the same time there was that uh, uh i can't put my hand to this right away but there was a uh, something i read a few years ago about how the difference in response time for a website has massive implications. Oh, yes. That's why Amazon is meant to be as fast as it is because people, it doesn't take that much of a delay to get people distracted or out of that flow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think it's a very interesting topic. Now, is this going to be mostly functional advice about how to use time well or what's the general uh, approach they just the 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 guy who set it up he's like just inspire people just inspire them i said well i i kind of want to scare them i'm better at scaring people and making them you can be very scary worry mm-hmm. so uh so that's really my goal is to give them you know because i i think when you when you think about where people are today in in, in going into that whole startup world you know, it's much easier to get money today than it than it was five or maybe not five. But when we when we were coming up, mm-hmm. the fact that you're like, you know, people in their 20s right now who have an idea can get money. And, you know, what I've learned the hard way, and I know we've talked about this a lot, is like the challenge of, of execution that it really comes down to execution. You can, you know, great ideas are everywhere. Yeah. And I have I have a great idea for a business, you know, a couple times a day. And I'm sure that everybody listening does. It's the difference between, oh, I have a great idea for it versus, uh, okay, I'm actually going to try and execute on this thing and see what we can do with it and see where we can take it and see what we can make it. And, and then actually you know, building something and doing something. I know so many people who are so well connected. You know, they know so many different people. That there's there's so many uh, great ideas that they have, but they don't execute on any of them because executing is so hard. Like it's so it's hard. A, it's a whole different set of skills. Yeah, it's like the people who are able to, you know, um, cause the revolution that overthrows the government are ne- not necessarily going to be the best at governing once right. they've taken over. Right. It's a totally different set of skills. And I mean, I don't, you know, I, I every single day. In, in running a business, I realized how little I know about it and how much help I need. And you know what I mean? Like how many mistakes I've made just that hour. And, yeah. and, and I always, I'm always shocked by people who are like running a, a, a business and they're super confident about what they're doing and they don't, you know, question themselves. I think they do. I think, I mean, I think everybody questions themselves. It helps to be a little bit of a psychopath probably. Yeah, maybe it does. Narcissist. Yeah. Maybe a narcissist, but I mean, you know, it's, um, it's like, you know, somebody in sales who just refuses to believe that they're not going to be able to make this sale, even right. though any sane person would say that's not possible. Right. You can't sell that many cars this month. Right. Oh, like yeah. uh, speaking of cars, uh, you know, I went and took my took my car in to get it uh, serviced last week. And the guy who sold me my car uh, showed up while I was in the, you know, the, the, the lounge. And uh, and he'd grown a beard. I barely recognized him. I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, good, good. And uh I said, how's everything going? He said, oh, I got some good news. I said, what? He said, oh, I'm being interviewed for the, you know, I guess they have like a, a magazine that goes with the, the car company. And he said, oh, I'm being interviewed for that. I'm like, really? It's called He's like, Bavarian Times. <laughs> right. It's a, it's also or, the typeface they use. Or Japan Times. And, uh, and he's Don't like. You have a BMW? Don't you have a BMW? No, God, no. What? I have an Acura. It's an Acura. You have an Acura. And an Audi I, I before that had- and a Honda before that. I'll be hornswoggled. I swear to Christ, I thought you had a black BMW. You're confusing BMW. me with, uh, with King Marco. 
Yeah, well, he's going to get a Tesla now. Well, of course. It's mm-hmm. a matter of time. He says you accelerate. It's like getting hit in the face. It is. I, I've driven one. We, they, we, uh, I test drove one here in, in uh, Austin in the domain. They had them Was out. it in insane mode? It, it, that's, it's only got one mode. Insane. Only one. Sounds amazing. Uh, it really is crazy. But anyway, I, so, you know, I talked to him and I said, oh, well, uh, why are you being interviewed? He said, well, I'm, I'm number 38. I'm number 38 in the country for that's, sales. That's amazing. I said, really? I said, are you number one here? He's like, I've been number one here. I said, well, I said, you, you, I hope you're not going to share all your secrets in this article. He said, there's no secrets. I just come and do my job. Yeah. That's what he says. Yeah. Did, do you feel like, do you feel like a little bit like a cartoon where the guy is talking to a pork chop when he's talking to you like that? Cause he could be really uh, straight up about it and go like, I sold your car. I sell a lot of cars. Yeah. But that, but you liked, did you like the experience of working with that guy? Uh, I mean, not, he was, he's a nice guy. He had a white, a Casio, a G-Shock Casio watch that's white. That's all white. Oof. I like that. Um, mm. but I mean, he, you know, he was a very nice, very nice guy, but you know, there was that little edge of, of pressure of wanting to get, you know, wanting to get the sale done. I don't, I don't care for that, but it wasn't, it wasn't so bad that I felt like I needed to stand up and walk out like a Toyota. Right. Right. So. But no, well, I don't. I, I don't like anything about buying a car. Who does? Yeah. Ugh, no, no. It's 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 a disgusting experience. Unless you're the kind of person who likes that sort of thing. Some people do. You know, wrestling well, it, with a pig. I mean, in, in a way, I kind of like the challenge. I kind of like the challenge of that because I've I've made of of a, a study of the car sell process. I've read lots of books on it, lots of articles on it. I've talked to many people who used to be in car sales uh, back when I first started my career and, and, and I was working with the sales team very closely and, and those guys all like, Oh, I used to sell cars. Yeah, of course. Now you sell telecommunications and, um, C-Lax, C-Lax, the C-Lax, C-Lax. And, uh, I, I learned so much from talking to them and, you know, they do that. There's this famous thing that they do where they draw the little, um, the little grid and they write four different numbers in the grid. I heard about this on this American life. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And they look to see which, uh, which number you kind of focus on or look at. Is it the monthly payment? Is it the overall? But it, this is like like a standard thing that they do to just kind of kind of gauge you and read you. And it's, you know, if they do that in a car dealership, you know that they, that they sort of subscribe to this one philosophy of how to do how to do sales. And I remember a long time ago when I was uh, buying a, 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 a German car and uh, I was you know, I went in and the guy's like, he's like, okay, well, here's a list of what we got coming in. Look through it and see if there's anything you want on it. Like he did not care if I was buying the car because they were constantly selling out. They were selling out every single car on their lot. There was a line, there was a waiting list for people to get the cars that they wanted. He didn't care. He was going to make well beyond whatever quota they might've set for him. He was doing great because the cars were selling themselves. People would come and want to buy the car. They'd buy the car or not. You know, he wasn't, there was zero pressure from him because he simply didn't care. He didn't have to care. And, uh, and I much preferred that experience because I was there wanting something and there was a limited supply of it. Obviously right. it was better for him, but it was better for me too, because there was no pressure. I felt no pressure to buy anything. I was, you know, I was not pressured by him to make a decision, to make it fast. I test drove a car. At the end of it, he's like, here's my car. Let me know what you think. You know, you want to come back, test drive another? You can. Wow. And, and that was it. And I walked out. And I absolutely loved that. There was no, and when it came time to buy, it was the same thing. I'm like, well, you know, 
look, here's when I know you guys are paying. Here's stickers. Like, well, here's the price. And there was no negotiation. And I knew they were marking it up, but like that was the dealership in town. And unless I wanted to drive 40, 50 miles out of town and try negotiating somewhere else, like that was the deal. Yeah. I loved it though. It made it so much easier for me and simpler for me. Yeah. 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 I remember when the Miata came out, which is around the time that I got my Mazda, um, 1991, and they just, they couldn't keep them on the lot. Yeah. You know, it was the same kind of deal. People come in and want a wheel and deal and they're like, well, you can put your name on this list and we'll call you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's about it. Yeah. But I mean, in a way that that's, that's easier for everybody. And I, yeah, some I, people are so attracted to, to, to that kind of back and forth thing, though. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm assuming you've heard that This American Life episode at, at the auto dealership. Yeah, I think I heard, I heard it. Uh, but it's really, really good. They basically go to this auto dealer. When did it come out? Uh, probably a couple years ago. Okay, so it's been repeated. Okay. Yeah, but basically it's this, it's this one uh, dealership where uh, it's, it's a great story. It's, you know, there's a certain amount that they, if they sell a certain amount by the end of the month, they get this big bonus. And if they don't, they don't. Right. And everybody's different stories and everybody's different approach. And it's, it's what, you know, this American life is really good at. But yeah. it was a really interesting insight into how, uh, how stressful it is for them. You know? Yeah. The, 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 the competi- one, how competitive it is. Yeah, there's the one guy who's like the Ricky Roma guy who's just always <laughs> at the top of the charts. <laughs> right. And then there's, there's the Jack Lemmon guys. And it's, it's a very interesting story. It's, just, it's weird to me because, you know, you pull up to a lot, especially, you know, one of the big car lots. You pull up to one of them and like, there's the, the guys, it's almost always guys. And they the guys are sort of like, they're sharks, you know, and they see you and they all start walking toward you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, great. This is what the experience is going to be like here. You know, well, I just, I'm, I just, I just I'm want Frank, a dad. If, if I want you, a dad to go in and do it for me, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it, that's, that's the whole thing that, that I never really got. It was, you know, having like my parents go in and and teach me how it was. I had to learn the hard way. And I, I think I've told this story, but one time the, the second, I think this third car that I was buying a, as an adult, my wife actually, and, and I were buying it. And it was a, um, it was a Volkswagen golf that was going to be her car. And, uh, she, we had done a ton, ton, ton of research. We knew exactly like invoice price sticker. We knew every, every single thing about it. And I printed it all up and had it in a really, in, in a notebook. And, sat down in there and when it was time to talk about price, I just opened the notebook and I said, well, I, this is what I, you know, you're paying for the car with these options and you know, here's what I'm comfortable, you know, giving you above and beyond that. What do you think? And the guy looked, he's like, can I see that? I'm like, sure. And I had pulled up all the reviews, every single thing. It was, it was probably 15 pages of notes about the car that I had made and printed out and things like that. And this is back when the internet was young. And the guy looked at me and said, I've never seen anybody prepared as much as you for the purchase of a car in wow. my entire life. And now he gets that probably 10 times a day. Probably now that's just, that's just called the, the internet in your pocket, you know, but mm-hmm. back then it was like, it was like unheard of. And, you know, think of the tools that we have today to make better decisions, to make more informed decisions. Like when I wanted to pick what college we've talked about this, I wanted to pick what college I was going to. I went to the library at, at school and like there were a few books there that listed colleges like that's how I made my choice based on the, the few books that they had on the shelf in the library. You know, mm-hmm. that was it. That was how I made my choice. Like I know now. Forget it. Different. You world. know more about them and they know more about you. Everyone Today. Knows. Yes. Way more. 
No, I mean, in, in the sense also that, you know, it's, I've never had to look for a job with strangers in the environment where people can go look at your Facebook and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, or, that's the first, we get an applicant. The first thing that I do is I'm going to, I look them up on Twitter, look them up on Facebook, look them up on LinkedIn, Google their name. Not because I want to see what they look like, but because I want to see if like, w- w- what are they all about as a human, you know? And, you know, and they confuse your and your. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, it's, and all that information is out there and the stuff that you've put on Facebook, the pictures, the funny jokes, you know, like the things you put up there five years ago, that time when you were drunk at a party because you thought it'd be funny. Like if you didn't clean that off the next day, it's still there and your, your next employer is going to see that. Ugh. Let's turn it into quick, 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 quick. I know. I'll let you continue. No, it's okay. I don't have anything else. Do you want to talk about something you like? I would like to tell you about Casper. They are an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Do you still have your stacked your stacked uh, mattress situation going there? I'm like the princess in the pea. <laughs> I got the top of the stack is my Casper. I sleep on it every night. Like I love that. I love that. This mattress is is just so amazing. What they did is they combined premium latex foam with uh, with the memory foam. So it's the best of both worlds. It's what they call a, a human alien hybrid. And, uh, and what this does, they send you this thing and it comes in as happy looking box and a mattress in a box. You open the box, the mattress is wrapped up like a papoose. It's the size of, it's maybe a little bigger than a two drawer file cabinet. Yeah. Like a file cabinet you'd have next to your desk, a little bigger, a little taller than that. But you're like, there's no way there's a mattress in that. No way. And you slice, they give you a little tool, which is actually like an envelope opener, like a letter opener. Yeah. The kind your grandpa had. Yeah. And you and then the whole mattress is, and, and there it is. And you have a mattress and it is an incredibly comfortable mattress. That's, I was very skeptical and I said, you know, I mean, it's probably good for a mattress you would order on the internet. Like it's, it's fine for an internet right, mattress, <laughs> but in reality it's actually very, very, very comfortable and, uh, and very affordable. They cut out the middleman completely so that you do not have to, uh, you, you do not have to spend the money. To have a, a warehouse, you know, they, they don't, oh, Dan, Dan, I don't want to make this relevant, but yeah. it's, I think buying a mattress can be worse than buying a car because mm. there's not even, you can go out and do the research on, and find out that you know, there's basically like whatever, three mattresses in the whole world, right? That, but they're all just different, you know, the, the, I don't want to say names, but you know, you know, all the popular names, but it's virtually impossible, like in the fog of war, when you're in the mattress <laughs> showroom yeah. to ha- understand anything about any of it, it all just sounds like pops and buzzes. And in this case, you go, you buy this mattress, it comes to your house and now you got a mattress and it's just, it's it's the experience of that is so much better than having to go to one of those places. It's crazy better. And uh, so that's, that's basically what they do. No middleman. And they save you money because of that. Uh, you, th- these mattresses start at 500 bucks for a twin, 750 for full, 850 for queen and 950 for a king size mattress. And if you've never priced mattresses, I, I would encourage you to go do it and you'll see what, what an amazing price these are. And, course buying something on the internet you want to know if you don't like it can you send it back they give you a hundred days to send it back free delivery painless returns hundred days to decide if you like this thing so uh, we're going to save you some money if you go to casper.com casper.com slash back to work spelled out and you use the code comics you will get fifty dollars off any mattress that you buy so casper.com slash back to work supports the show the code comics Saves you 50 bucks. Do both. And uh, we thank Casper very much for supporting Back to Work with Merlin Man. You'd be crazy not to buy it. It'd be weird you, to you not You would literally buy it. be crazy not to buy it at this you, point. You'd be weird. 
Super weird. Oh, how are you feeling? Last time you had the fever bumps. What? No, that was two weeks ago. Was it? I'm, I'm fine. All right, good. I mean, I'm still a little coffee, but like I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. 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 Way better. Oh man, my my uh, my kid, man. She's a Viking. You wouldn't believe what happened yesterday. Tell me. I shouldn't say. I shouldn't no, say. I want to hear. She's really into scooting now. She's scoot. We, we each got a razor scooter. We go. We oh ride around yeah, yeah. Scooters. And she's gotten really good at it and really confident. She was going down a crazy San Francisco hill. She did a 100% face plant. Oh, no. Yesterday. Oh, no. And she didn't cry. It was amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is she you know, okay? I was, was she all right? Yeah. Yeah. She's fine. She, she, like, she's like a mutant. She didn't have any <laughs> scrapes. She, she, no, I'm saying like the scooter went out from, I don't know how much you scoot, Ugh. but you, you get this little kind of brake thing, which is basically you pushing down on the back fender of the wheel to brake. Right. But if you're going on a really serious hill, it's not unusual to like drift or for that thing to lock up and you just go. And she went like, wow, she oh, like no. Superman swan dive through the air, landed on her face <sighs> and her hands. And like in her, in her estimation, hit about 25 parts of her body. Oh my but, God. But uh, she wasn't all great. It was really it was super weird. And then she, uh, she scooted again this morning. She scooted to school today. Isn't that brave? That's very, well, you know, you got to get back. If you don't get back up on the horse, you'll never get back on the horse. I know. I know. There's so many horses I should have gotten back on. That's what mm. she said. Tom, hmm? Flat circle. Uh, yeah, but that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Doesn't that? I mean, just thinking about it, I don't know how else to explain it. But it makes my teeth hurt. You well, know? no, I, I do know what you mean. It's um, it's uh, it's something where it's been a it's been a tough uh, balance for me to kind of let go of the fact that she's a little kid and she's going to get hurt and she doesn't get hurt. I think as a lot of as much as a lot of like crazy kids, but. Uh, yeah, it's really hard. And then to like not freak out when it happens. Anyways, mm. it's boring. People don't like this kind of talk. I have yeah, a weird... They, they do like it. I have a weird a kind of a topic that is probably especially not that, that useful this week since we don't have the chat room uh, with us. But um, I don't know. I, I, it's, and I, and I, I'm reluctant to bring it up because I don't want to just turn it into a bitch session. Okay. But uh, can I, can I t- talk about what we're going to talk about? Yeah, go ahead, caller. Hmm. Um... I don't know. It's just, it's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, I, I feel like in the last few months, um, you know, I've got plenty of stuff in the Apple ecosystem that I oh, yeah. bitch and moan about all yep. the time. But um, when it comes to email, um, I do my email through Gmail hmm. on the Gmail website. I use Mailbox on iOS. I sometimes use Mailbox on OS ten, But like I, you know, it's... I. It's slowed down a little bit in the last year. Like all the Gmail stuff has felt real, like especially spreadsheets has been real pokey for me for the last year. But still, I have to say that I am generally, as far as customer sat, I am generally satisfied with my Gmail web experience. Okay. And so like I I don't touch mail.app. And I should probably go into a little bit of why, but you can pretty much guess why. I, I haven't even opened mail.app in years. Um even on mini OS tens ago, I found it floppy, unresponsive. Back then, underpowered. It just didn't do a lot of the stuff that I needed it to do. When I did start getting into the Gmail web interface, you know, I I, I, I say this still I'm blue in the face, but people still don't hear it because it feels nerdy. But the key commands that you use in Gmail are like living on a different planet. You you will you will have I feel like most people who use Gmail and get to really know the key commands the the non meta key you just hit letters and just stuff happens 
once you've done that, it's like, you know, like mud or pine or whatever. Once you've used that, using something like a GUI email app starts to feel a little bit crazy. Well, it's, you know, it's the difference between people who are comfortable using something like VI or Emacs. Or just a terminal in general. Just, I mean, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the typing and the keyboard commands, it's, it's a difference between, to really throw back, between WordPerfect and Word. And I used to be a freak in WordPerfect. I mean, I could do anything in it. I knew all the keyboard commands. I had them all memorized. I Word, could f- WordPerfect being closer to VI in that instance? Yeah, Word, WordPerfect. Manually format, formatting things and stuff? Yeah, and you could reveal, there was this command you would hit to reveal codes so that you could, it, it wasn't HTML, but they had the- Almost it was, like Markdown? Yes, it was almost like a Markdown type situation where there were brackets and codes and things like that. And you could really format the heck out of your documents really quickly. And, yeah. th- you know, this is back when graphical user interfaces on a computer were a, a novelty. They were a new thing that we really were excited to see where they, where they would go. And I could, I was a monster on that. And it's the yeah. same thing. Like when I've seen, I've seen you kind of work your, your, uh, Gmail interface and it's, it's impressive. Yeah. It's not quite the level of like a VI user. But uh, anyway, I, I, I'm not, I need to frame what it is I'm talking about here. So my, my, my thesis or my area of interest here is I work, um, it, it's something that's come up a lot in the last year, but now it's actually something I need to do for work is help some people find better alternatives for mail.app. Yeah. Because to a person, they are very frustrated with trying to use the app. And it's, it's just a recitation of a lot of the same things I've heard lots of other people say for years. Like Syracuse is talking about trying to find something and then the selections are changing like right. while you're trying to click on things. <laughs> yeah, it's... Suddenly out of nowhere it decides to start, I guess, caching thousands of IMAP messages and you're not sure why. Yeah. Um, and again, I feel a little bit out of my depth because all I can really say is what people's complaints are. I haven't made a, a deep study of this. But I guess what I'm interested in is I, what... I'm, I don't want to make this about productivity, but I, I wonder what are the really viable options for, especially on OS X, what are the things that people like nowadays for email in terms of primarily stability and performance, but then also in terms of some features? Mm. And the reason I ask that is it's, it's thorny because the folks I'm working with uh, use pure IMAP as one of their accounts that everybody has to be able to use. So, for example, Mailbox is great, but I think it only works with Gmail and maybe, you know, iCloud. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work with pure IMAP, I don't think. So, you know, it, and there's, there, there are several, like, pretty good contenders out there that don't tick all the boxes that somebody inside of a small company could need. Yeah. And I guess I'm just curious, I don't know, what, what's out there and what people are using. I've been trying to kind of bone up, and basically what I'm at right now is I'm at the point where I'm just going to have to go out and, like, download or buy a bunch of these apps and try them out. But it's interesting because like the, the things that people complain about, you know, not complain as in wine, but I think performance, isn't that kind of a known issue? Like yes, how totally responsive is. the app is? Totally is. And I, I do use mail app and I do dislike it, uh, but I keep coming back to it. And I don't know if the reason that I keep coming back to it is because I'm, I'm used to it and I've been using it for so many years, which is a terrible reason to keep using something. Uh, or if it's if it's because like I'll try something else and it's not that it feels too foreign per se. It's just yeah. that I, I I feel it doesn't exactly work the way that uh, that 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 I might expect it to work or that I might want it to work. And it's again like I'm not as as good as I used to be doing uh, doing all that stuff on the command line, spending all day uh, with a in front of a Unix terminal, all of that stuff. 
now I find that I, I hardly am doing keyboard commands at all where I used to have them all memorized. And I'm still impressed watching you use Gmail, watching somebody, you know, like, uh, like Sandy, you know, do something in, uh, in final cut pro or whatever, where so much of it is like keyboard commands. And it does seem like magic. It seems like, wow, how did you do those 10 things in four seconds without oh, I know. putting your hand Final on the cuts, mouse. Final Cut's like Latin. Like watching people <laughs> use that, it's the specialized, where they got the specialized keyboards for that. Yeah. This stuff is crazy. It is crazy. And they, they've just got this stuff memorized because they, they spent time doing it with a mouse. And they said, wow, that took me eight clicks to do this thing I could have done with Shift Command, you know, R, you know? And then it's like, wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. Well, and, that's interesting in terms of like VI. Because, because you know, VI is. I've tried to. Well, you know, I've, I've been a piker because I have never really thrown myself into having to use VI. Yeah, I've always used it alongside, still using TextMate or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when you use VI, I mean, I think the the people who are great at it would be the first to tell you. You start thinking about streams differently. These you start thinking about buffers differently. Like you start thinking in this much more Unixy way. You you learn to edit programmatically rather than visually. And it's a completely different way of thinking about how you work. Don't you think? It totally I mean, is. No, it totally is. thinking about, you know, when, when I say things like streams or buffers or whatever, like that's what you, you'll call them in like in a Unix right, uh, right. manual. And you start to really think differently about what a line really means. And because once you understand more about what a line really means in a text file, you can do some banana stuff where like, when I click on this character, make this change, and now, you know, command S that through the rest of this, substitute right. that throughout the document. Right which is a completely different way of thinking from even just find and replace. You know what I mean? The, the power of that is, uh, is staggering. But it, it, you get it, like I say, you get different pathways. You start thinking very differently about how you work. And the people who are on Mail.app, I mean, I'll just say, like, you know, for years, back in the 43 folders days, I was very into, uh, what is it, like Mail Act on, yeah. Mail Tags, yeah. all these kinds of things that were, you know, good, but were hacks on top of a program that wasn't... Right. It just didn't feel very robust. Yeah, the tag thing, especially, like you start using it and you're like, this feels like something that was just tacked onto this. In the, in, in, it, it feels like a complete hack. And I don't like, I, we've talked about this too. I try you, you to. like running stock. Stock, man. Stock, yeah. as stock as I can. And that doesn't mean not installing a new application if it makes sense to install a new application or it's something that makes your life easier. You know, Text Expander is a great example. Like, that's the. You know, that and one password and Dropbox, like those are the three things I won't use a, a regular a computer on a regular basis until they have those like I need those. But, you know, like the idea of having to well, to, to be able to use mail properly, I have to install all these hacks and tweaks and configure it. And, and tw- I just I'm not into that anymore. And I would love to find an application like the, you're talking about that just is is perform. And you know what? You know what? There was there was an application. Back in the old days that I used Eudora. to. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's one of those apps like, uh, what is it, Lotus Agenda? Oh, there's these, I didn't use that. Well, but there are these apps that still have this cult following in some ways where you're like, oh, like there will never be another email app like Eudora. Mm-hmm. And Eudora worked. Eudora was, I don't, I think it might have been made for the Mac first. I think it I'm was, yeah. Sure. I think it was. But it represented a very pre-OS 10 idea oh, of windowing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
but even just the kinds of automation that I like in Eudora, I, I don't, I think I did this through, I don't even remember what they're called, but the rules or the whatever's where it was the first, it was so amazing because I could come in and all these windows would yep. open up yep. all the window from and to a given person all in one place before conversations were, you know, a thing like an outlook or, yeah. or whatever, yeah. at, least, at least on the Mac. And, uh, but it was, Eudora was like a way of life. It, it was, was, it was my first killer app. I mean, up there with Mozilla when I could finally get that like a full on TCP IP connection mm-hmm. in whatever that was 1993 or 4 right before that all I had was a Telnet account but then once I had full on TCP IP I don't I'm just yeah like 94 words. 94 95 sounds about right to me where you had on the on the PC you had trumpet windsock and that kind of stuff and you had to for people who don't know what we're talking about for people yeah, who I'm don't not even, even know sure what, what we're talking about. I, I know that I know my first accounts were pure Telnet. If I couldn't do it from a Telnet login, there was no GUI. There mm-hmm. was no GUI apps I could use. It had to all be done inside of that Telnet window. It, it crazy. And and so uh, I just I just want to go into this for a second to just to show how much easier things are now. Back then, now all you need to get online is yeah, maybe you need a Wi-Fi password. You're online. Back then, you had to get special software that you would have to get on on a CD or a disc in order to, you would install that software. Software and, that had to be maintained. That had to be maintained. You had to and throw configured. out the Mac PCP prefs yeah. every day. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. You, you would have, have to, to go into your system folder and I think it was called Mac TCP prefs. Yeah. But there was this one file, it was a temp file that would get, I guess, corrupted. Corrupted. Constantly. And it was like re- it was like rebuilding your desktop. It was one of those things you just started doing as a matter of course. Well, sorry, you were, but you were saying no, but it, was, it wasn't as simple as just going like, "Oh, I've got an AOL disk. I'm going to do this." Like you had to you have would, you all would, kinds of pages of configuration and what what you know what IP addresses to put in yeah. for DNS and all that. Yeah, stuff. you would enter all that into your config. You would then dial up, and then you would get a terminal session. And in that, you would either type PPP or slip. And then that would, depending on whether you were doing a PPB connection or a slip connection, it would initiate the connection and then Trumpet Windsock on the PC or, or whatever on the Mac would initiate and sort of take over the connection. And then you could launch uh, your, your Mosaic web browser. And, you know, but just like it was so just getting online and knowing what to do was the equivalent of like rooting your Android phone, you know, <laughs> like that's it, it, that's like what the equivalent is nowadays of just like a, a regular person couldn't do this stuff. But you you know who introduced me to Eudora was Zeldman. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, back in like the early or, or rather mid mid 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I just, I was blown away by it. I mean, you had, there was so much that you could do. It was stuff that we stuff that we everybody takes for granted nowadays. Yeah. I mean, not to turn this into one of our typical nostalgia sessions, but things like having an easy email signature. Yep. Like th- there was, this is the first GUI app I knew where you could have an email signature you know, instead of having to go change your f- plan or finger or whatever the hell you changed in, in your email back in the day. But all kinds of stuff. And then the separate windows for all the different things, alert sounds, yeah. rules and filters. Like there was nothing else like it. And it was, it was a joy to use. It really was. And it changed. I think it changed the way that I thought about email. Email became something that I looked forward to. It became something that I could, uh, that I, I felt like I could, you know, wrap my head around. And it's funny because it's not like that trained me as to how to use email because then eventually in, in the corporate world, you know, I was also doing CC mail. I was doing Lotus notes. I was doing, uh, all of these are are pretty horrible, but you know, I was doing things like that. And I was, I was also using, uh, you know, eventually outlook, Microsoft outlook. 
And but, that you know, that had more, I think, of an impact on on me than than Eudora did. Outlook. You know, I could totally see that. Especially, I used to be so envious of what Outlook could do because I, I didn't have a PC. I, I've never used Outlook for. I've never really used Outlook. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've never had access to it. But um, but just the stuff that you could do with collapsing. Because if I remember right, in Outlook, you could collapse collapse by this and sort by that so you could do this crazy stuff where you would get your conversations in you know collapsed under these little arrows but then you could also sort by a different thing and it was a really powerful way to be able to manage a large amount of corporate email right where you've got this conversation over here this conversation over there as against really just a few years before that you know using email was much more like having to sort through text files I mean, you could find I guess and stuff like that but it was it was the gooey interface of Eudora um, and again, very different from Outlook because even back then, Outlook was the kind of the three-panel yes. setup, right? Yep, yep. That, that then Entourage would have later on. Mm-hmm. Gosh, moving from Eudora to Outlook Express to Entourage was crazy for me because yeah. I was so used to having everything in a separate window that I could move around. It was a very John Syracuse world, being able to always arrange your windows to be where you wanted them to be with the right colors and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, okay. So we're talking about we're reminiscing here about the glory days, but you know things were were dif- different then in a number of ways. The volume of email was lower. The expectations of email were lower. These were really powerful new tools given the challenges that we had. They were really well suited to the purpose. But now today, I don't know. It's just it's so strange to me, and I, I'm gonna bitch just a little bit mm-hmm. just to get it out of my system. But it does still seem weird to me that so many of the core Apple apps on iOS and OS 10 are just don't, they don't feel, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of love yeah. in them. No, I hear you. Know? you. And, and then you get into a situation where like features are being taken out of pages and you don't have the right version on your computer to open this file. And it's just the kind of stuff that used to feel like a Microsoft problem, you know, it, where, you know, at least with Microsoft apps, they sh- sure could do everything in the world, but it, it doesn't feel like the apps have gotten more robust. I mean, like preview works fine for mm-hmm. what you do with preview. Mm-hmm. If you need more than preview, you know, our friends at, at Smile make great apps for doing things like that. And they are great and they work across platforms. But it just seems odd to me that like something, you take, take three apps that I think you could argue are in the top five of business productivity apps, email, calendar, and contacts. Um, I feel like all three of those apps on OS ten are not very good. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, let me put it this way, um, in a blind taste test, I would not buy those apps. Yeah, I hear you. I would not buy the contact app that I have on my computer. It's, I mean, <laughs> you know, Busy, Busy Mac, the guys who do Busy Cal and now Busy Contacts. I mean, I said this, I say this once a year. This is like my little Hanukkah celebration or something. <laughs> but like 1995, now Contact had the concept of a company. Yeah. The semantic concept of a company. It's so amazing to me that in, what is this, 2015, mm-hmm. you don't have a semantic company associated with a person. You still have to do like a manual find. You can't say, show me everybody I know who works at Apple. You have to go in and do a search and hope everything's named correctly. Doesn't that seem bizarre? It is. It is weird. And the way that uh, the way that you're I mean, you're talking about a bigger problem, I think. And, and I am. I am. But it, it is because to me, the core one of the core things that we use our computers for is email. You know, I think I, I don't use Safari. I use Chrome. Yeah, me too. I don't like that. I want to use Safari. 
Uh, I don't want to use Chrome. It's not because I have anything out for Google. I don't. I just, I would, again, my, my preference for stock stuff. I would love to just be able to use the applications that, that Apple has built because for the, a very long time, I knew that if Apple made it, I'm talking software, if Apple mm-hmm. made it, it was going to be really good. It was going to be something that, that I could use. And I remember back, was it, I forget the name, was it Camino? Um, Camino, oh, oh, are you thinking of the, the browser? The open source Mac browser? Yeah. And when it first came yeah. out, um, I remember it, Steve Jobs had it in the dock in a keynote instead of Internet Explorer, and it was a big deal. In the days before Safari. In the days before Safari. And I just, you know, of course, like people were so surprised that Apple had made their own browser. Wow, Safari, wow. But of course they made their own browser. I mean, they understood that back then the importance of things like that. They had their own email client. They had their own browser. They had, And these are the things that just absolutely have to be great. I think mobile Safari is the best mobile browser I've ever used. It's great. And there's and, and, still and so many problems you'd be able to capitalize on the ecosystem. Oh, for sure. now all your bookmarks are synced up. I use Chrome almost exclusively on OS 10. There's yeah. some things where, like if I think there's something wrong with the site, I'll go use Safari. Yeah, yeah. I use Chrome exclusively on OS 10. I use Safari almost exclusively and I'm very satisfied with it on mm-hmm. iOS. I have mm-hmm. to say, it's very, it's very fast. It does that predictive mojo that blows my mind. Yep. Where like I type the word N, it knows I'm going to want Google News, and it already like starts loading the page. <laughs> it's really cool. It's amazing what they've been able to do there. I'd like to see a little tiny bit of that uh, in 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 Safari, and just feel like it was uh, you know regular Safari, and just feel like it was something that that. Uh, that I could trust and could, I could rely on. And back in the old, 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 old days, when I used to run FreeBSD on my desktop, you know, what? yes, I wow. knew because, well, I was doing so much FreeBSD and BSD, Unix and Solaris, uh, SunOS 413 and 414 administration, that it was just easier for me to have this on the desktop. And, you know, you'd configure X, what we used to call X Windows, but is the X Windows system, uh, that, you know, like you configure your different screens and you would align things just the right way and you would have the, the terminal windows perfectly aligned on this screen and then for the remote ones on this screen and the remote SSH commands on this one. And, you know, everything was just so. And this machine would sit and run like that for months at a time, never had to reboot it, never had to change anything at all. And, you know, and then when Mac OS finally was like, hey, guess what? We've got BSD Unix underpinnings. I mean, that's underneath the hood on all our Macs is FreeBSD. And I just remember learning about that and thinking this could be really, really a a great thing. And it is. We have systems that are so much more stable, just the core of the system itself. I almost never have to reboot my Mac. You know, I grab that little 11-inch MacBook Air and I close the lid when I'm done and I open the lid when I want to use it and it go weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and I don't have to reboot it unless there's some kind of update that I have to run. And you know, that's a wonderful thing. But where, where are the, the apps that we really, really need? Why aren't they amazing? Why aren't they amazing? I figure there's got to be. I, I agree with you. But I, there must be a reason, which I'm guessing comes down to resources. People like to say priorities. I don't think that's the right word for it. I think it's resource allocation. Um, and, but you know, the other the, the funny part of this, just to end the bitch session, hopefully, is that it is kind of uh, a bummer, or at least ironic, that as these services roll out that are meant to keep everything laced together, 
not only are those services pretty dodgy, some of the iCloud stuff is pretty dodgy, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Um, but the apps that you're using to take advantage of those are not as good as, don't feel as good or feel as solid as the things we had even a few years ago. It's strange. I mean, given the, given the firepower of, of you know, modern iOS devices and modern Macs, it's, it's crazy that you could have an app that it, it, it kind of feels like Microsoft all over again, where you're like, gosh, you, this thing has so much RAM in it, but Word still takes 30 seconds to load. That's yeah. really, really weird. Yeah. There is so not, I, you know, we've, we got this amazing, for the, for the video show, um, we invested a lot in this. I mean, not just me like learning stuff, but we just invested a, a lot to make it great. And one of the things that I did was I got, I get a Mac Pro, the new trash can Mac Pro. And wow. it's, it is fast. And where I really noticed that it's fast is like after we're done recording the video, we will, uh, you know, we will export the, uh, the video and we use, we use Handbrake to do it, to get it up to YouTube. And it's amazing how fast Handbrake is running on this machine. You know, I believe it. It's, I read that. it's made for that, right? Right. It really is. But, and it works very well under load when you've got three or four cameras all going into it and it's using Thunderbolt video streams and doing a whole bunch of other things and recording to, you know, to save on the drobo and whatever else. Like it's, it's, it's doing a lot of things at once and it just handles the load. I don't want to jinx it, you know. But uh, <laughs> it uh, it handles the load really well. But in just the feel of using it, I'm not talking about those highly CPU intensive, multi-threaded things of exporting whatever. I'm talking about just like launching an app. Um, it, it doesn't feel that much different from the iMac that I generally use, which is just because you get used to it. Do you get used to that? I don't know? think so. I mean, I remember, again, back to the old FreeBSD days, we used to have to recompile the kernel. You would recompile the kernel so that it was optimized for the machine and what it was doing and just had the device drivers that it needed. Is a very kind of, you know, like build your own car kind of thing. But, you know, uh, the difference in like compiling a kernel or running Make World uh, on a fast machine with fast SCSI hard drives and lots of CPU and RAM was so fundamentally different than like just the whole experience of using a brand new Mac out of the box. And the one that's two years old on your desk was like, Oh, I can't go back to this. Uh, you know, like I've used my wife's iPhone six. It doesn't really feel, I love the screen on it, but it doesn't really feel that much different from my five S you know, it's we're, we're making very performance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear things about that. They're talking about this on uh, one of my curly shows, especially with the the big the big six, the six plus is that what it's called? That, that it, it it that it kind of feels laggy compared yeah. to like a new iPad, huh? Yeah, the, I mean the battery life and everything is supposedly way better, but that it doesn't feel as snappy. Yeah, uh, uh, the, the six yes, but the six plus not as much. I don't know if that's true, but I feel like that's I've heard people say that. Yeah, I hmm, I don't know. Um, I, and, and I feel like this is really a poorly formed question, but in the wrong, maybe the wrong forum for it. But I really want to figure out what the best options are out there for stability, you know, um, and the flexibility to have things like like IMAP. Because I guess I, I guess I always assume there's probably 15 different apps that are great at this. You know, should should we look at Thunderbird? I mean, <laughs> I haven't looked at Thunder. Have you looked at Thunderbird lately? Not recently. I remember the performance on that being not stellar. Yeah, the last time I looked at it. But now I think there are four pay mail apps on OS ten that are built on top of Thunderbird. I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know about that. I've never but Thunderbird is the it's the um 
It's like the Firefox for the mail. Firefox <laughs> for mail, right? I know. I think Eric Meyer was using that, huh? Uh, for a while, I've tried to use it. I want so badly to like it. I want to like anything else. But you're saying what? So when you're sitting down to use mail on OS 10, when you're like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to check some email. Is it you launch Chrome and uh, go to go to Gmail, or are you trying? On my old Mac. On my old Mac, um, I use exclusively use Gmail in the browser on my just slightly newer Mac, meaning 2010. Um, I use pretty much Gmail on the web and I've been spending more time with mailbox, but like what, what, what makes mailbox so great on iOS is less critically important on OS 10. What makes it great on iOS is that there are, you know, these built in gestures for stuff that would otherwise be a big pain in the butt. And it's very stripped down. You know, you know what I mean? So, like, that's nice on OS ten, but it's mm-hmm. not critical. It is great that it syncs. So, like, once you say, like, snooze this email till tomorrow, that'll be snoozed on any of your instances of Mailbox, which is nice. But again, for the folks I'm working with, they have to be able to have pure EMAP, um, pure IMAP, not just Gmail. And it, so and is, uh, is there... A, that's, that's what I use. And there is a difference, then, between... Pure IMAP and Gmail's IMAP because Gmail has its own sort of implementation. And what's always surprising to me is there used to be two standards for uh, for for mail. Basically, there was POP three, and there was IMAP. The, and if you were making a, an application, right. if you're making a, a a mail application, oh, of course you supported POP. And sometimes you would get com- you would get companies say, "Oh, well, we're not going to support IMAP because too many different implementations of it. It's too hard to do." Yeah, now, I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and so you know there would be people frustrated because the advantage of using IMAP, the big advantage of using IMAP over POP three, was that with POP three you downloaded all of your mail to your computer. It was there. It was down on your computer. And it, it could be and up unless on, you said otherwise, it was no longer on the other computer. Right, you were pulling it off, and so that if you checked your email on computer A at work, and then went home and checked email on computer B at home, if you had that setting, which you should have had to pull the email down, like it was gone then. But right. and uh, then, like on your door, you could, there was a box you could tick. I think it said "leave on server" yeah, or something like that. Yeah. And it would leave it on the server, and it was, and then you could get it at, at, in both places. So then you'd have duplicate mail, and it, there wasn't a way to check to see if something had been read. So if you read it at home, and then you went to work, it would still be new at work. You couldn't tell if you had right. replied. You couldn't tell if it was read. And if you organized your emails at home, they would not be organized at work. IMAP alleviated all these problems. It allowed you to have folders. It understood that if you read it here, then it is it is read. Uh, if you move it into a folder, but not it, delete it, but not delete it, it goes in that folder. If you delete it, then it's deleted everywhere that you are. So it's not in two places at once. And uh, you still had local copies if you went offline, but they would sync up. And uh, yeah. it, I don't know anything about the technical details of it, but I feel like from listening to people talk about it, that um, the Gmail implementation and extension, I guess, of IMAP is very much different enough to be pretty different. Like frustratingly different for anybody who's trying to do like IT stuff. Yeah. Have you heard that? Yeah, I have heard that. And I don't, I mean, I don't know behind the scenes exactly what's going on. Yeah. Uh, or Pop, why Pop seems way. to get used mostly for various kinds of hacks today. Like there's some kinds of things where like, for example, like you can use mailbox uh, with Gmail if you also turn on pop. <laughs> so I don't quite understand it, but um yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. It's it's for me. Like I guess it starts with stability, and and, and just feeling solid um, on OS X. But um, maybe another way to put it is if people have ideas 
for, especially with links, like, you know, don't just drop a name. Like if you've got a link, like talking about an app that you particularly like, I've looked at stuff on Macworld. I've looked at stuff on iMore. I'll continue to look at that stuff. But I think I may just have to get down and dirty and maybe report back on what I find. I would love to hear about it. I mean, I would really love to, uh, uh, I would really love to hear it because uh, I think this is, you know, email's not going away. Even if we have Slack or whatever, like email's not going away. So what do you do? You, you yeah. know, I would love to hear your, uh, your reports. I'll go do some uh, science and research. I would like that. Well, listen, um, safe word. I got to go take a, take a leak. Well, I'll do the, uh, I'll do the spot. I'll do the next sponsor while you're <laughs> you didn't gone. You respond to my, my text, so I want to make sure oh, you I'm, knew. I'm sorry, I didn't even see it. It's quite all right. You can cut that out. You drop a marker there? I'll drop a marker. Hey, uh, Dan, while you're at it, tell me about something you like. I would love to. Uh, let me tell you about Linda. You know, uh, Linda is, is one of these great companies out there that they're so lucky because they started in this space from the very beginning. They've been doing really, really great videos that help people learn stuff that's really hard to learn. And they started a long time ago and have grown their company. And now they get really amazing people to, to come in and, and make a video. And that's what they do. That's what they are as a company. They've got over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, business. They have software training. Like you want to go and, and set up a website. They've got courses about that. You want to learn how to do Excel, Photoshop, Final Cut Pro. They have experts who are teaching these very, in many cases, very hard to learn and very hard to master applications and techniques. I mean, David Allen is doing getting things done uh, video on there. Like he's the one that does it. That's pretty cool. And only Linda can get that kind of talent. The way that they work is you sign up and uh, you have a flat monthly rate and you get unlimited access to every single course that's there. You get to view tutorials on tablets, like iPhone, Android, mobile devices, everything. They're adding new courses all the time. It's really, really great. iOS 8, you know what? There's a new course out. iOS 8, iPhone and iPad Essential Training. Because there's so much that you can do, you probably don't even realize. Mm-hmm. All it's all under the stuff. hood. All under the hood. You know, speed up, maintain your Mac. I mean, things like that that we take for granted. And of course, like I said, the getting things done. I always pick on Final Cut Pro because Final Cut Pro is, is, is a black art. You know what I'm saying? It's a mystery. <laughs> And I've learned so much having to do video stuff now. Like, this is where I've learned how to do it. So go to lynda.com. They're spelled L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com slash back to work. If you go to that URL, you will get a 10-day free trial. And you have access to pretty much, not pretty much, you have access to everything on their website for that whole time. And uh, and if you like it, sign up and uh, and you'll continue that access. I think you're going to love it. Go check them out lynda.com slash back to work spelled out and uh, thank you very much to Linda for supporting back to work with Merlin man walk, walk. Hmm, so much to learn Thunderbird according to the Mozilla Thunderbird blog continues to grow in usage oh no kidding yeah I'm just reading a website um yeah yeah it's a crazy thing these days <laughs> no, I mean it's. It, I don't know. It's. It, it, I. I. I feel bad that I even brought it up because it's not even anything particularly practical that where I can't like actually ask the radio to give me advice about this. But um, but it, but it, but it does feel. You know, everybody's got those that gut sense of when something feels really. Um, I mean, like I've heard a lot of people, a lot of my friends, like me, consider the SE thirty to be what felt like the best or maybe even fastest computer they ever used. 
the SE30 was felt like it was such a leap over what came before it that like pretty much no matter what you threw at it, that thing seemed just it was such a workhorse. I had so that was the, the first Mac that I owned was you an owned SE30. an SE30. I owned an SE30. I wish, man. It, I had was, an the, SE. it was one of the it was it was the first Mac that I ever owned. I used a, a, a large percentage of my bar mitzvah money to get it that I had saved. And it, I mean, it's just, it, it is, it is one of the machines. It's that, my favorite Mac. That's my favorite Mac. Mine too. And I just have so only, I just remember just joy using it all the time and having it, using it uh, so much that I learned to do. And it, you're right. It felt well suited to the task. It was the perfect marriage of hardware and software. Uh, it was just a special, special oh, machine. It was smoking fast. Yeah. I mean, we, in our, um, uh, my little college I went to, we had a you know a little Mac lab. Such a silly word, but it was basically eight or ten SEs, and I think one or two SE30s. And there was an SE30 in the student government office that you could sneak in and use sometimes. But and I bought, and when I came into a little bit of money, uh, I needed something to write you know my papers on and eventually right. my thesis on, and I bought an SE with two floppy drives, no hard drive, and this is 1988 maybe, and um. The thing was, I mean, the SE was fine. It was, you know, it was pretty cumbersome to try and do PageMaker on it, <laughs> flipping the disks in and out. But, you know, mostly for what I had to do, I had a disk in the, I always put it in the bottom one, I don't know why, called System. They had my system folder and the fonts and everything on it. And then I had usually, and maybe, if I'm trying to remember, but I rem- eventually I had different kinds of work on different floppies for the second drive. But you would just put a copy of, what did I use, right now. I would put a copy of right now on a blank floppy and then write my papers on that disc. But man, when I could take that disc over and pop it into the Mac Labs SE30, it was it was like a different world. Yeah. And you know, I mean <laughs> it was just it was staggering. I don't think I and then when I got my first jobby job, I had an SE30 and it was uh it was it was mind-boggling. I loved using that thing. I mean, it was it when I think about the older machines that I had and the ones that were really, really good and, 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 you know, we're talking about email, we're talking about Eudora, we're talking about these older things. And it's not like I want to go back to that. I mean, I don't want to go back to that tiny little screen that it I've used uh, a, a whole bunch of older Macs running system seven within the last year. What? Uh, no, I have. I, um, I oh, sort cause of, you were starting up your little museum, starting thing, right? a little museum. So I got to use these things. And I mean, I found that, I don't really like System Seven in in practical use. Even if even if you were to bring it up to speed and give it a good web browser and all these other things, like what we have now, really is a whole lot better. And it's the, it's the weirdest thing. Like after installing Yosemite and then going back to a computer that's using you know Mountain Lion or Mavericks or something, just looking at the little cutesy little colory buttons with the little you know little aqua effect on everything, it feels like wow, that's is so old. Like I don't want to use this anymore. No, I, you're you're totally right, I and mean, I think it's it's pretty e- easy to understand why we feel that way, and then why that's a little bit of a nostalgic haze. It's almost like remembering what it felt like to be twelve or thirteen, and you go, "Gosh, I wish I could just wake up and be bored for a whole Saturday or something like that." But you also, you know, you then you don't remember all the emotional tumult and all the like self doubt and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. We're, so, like, the thing is, like, I well, what I will tell you is until. Oh gosh, a handful of years into OS 10, it still felt on a, like a pretty modern machine up until I want to say maybe Tiger. I'm not sure. I don't really keep track of these things, but I, I remember Tiger in particular feeling like a big leap forward where 
it for the first time since System Nine, I felt like the responsiveness in the Finder was was similar, sluggish. Bad. Well, what I, yeah, because what I really remember on OS Everything, especially starting with OS Seven, OS Seven was great. That was to me that was really solid, and uh, it felt like what I used forever. That's when I did most of my core. Six and then seven were where I spent a lot of time and, you know, kind of made my bones with Mac stuff was on those systems. And one thing you had to say was the Finder, when it wasn't crashing, was very responsive. Yeah. I mean, it was, there wasn't as much going on. You, it really felt like when you clicked on the desktop from multi, in multi-Finder, like you go to the desktop, stuff just happened really, really quickly. And it w- I would have to say it took at least three or four years before that felt even close on OS X. It felt so flabby. But then what do we what do we not remember as much? The other things we have nostalgia about, all the horribleness of Macs back yeah. then. Yep. All of the, like needing conflict catcher, needing to zap the PRAM, needing to go through all this crazy witch doctor stuff because you would just get a sad Mac and no one knows why. Well, you assume it's bad RAM or the bad RAM, you know, there was all this stuff, but you had to go through this, it was like having an infant where you just go, okay, have I fed it lately? Yes. Okay. <laughs> has it, has it burped? Yes. Has it pooped? Yes. Is it bored? No. And like, you have to go through this list and you just keep going through it over and over until your Mac magically starts working again. And you know, there's a million reasons why that's better today, but there is still something, uh, you know, at different stages throughout, I guess, every technology, but especially with Macs, you really, I really feel like there are certain like kind of golden times where a brilliant new app came out that did stuff you couldn't possibly have imagined very efficiently. And you suddenly could feel an actual like notch up in what you were able to do. You became more capable. Now you could do stuff that Windows only could do before. There, you know, there would always be those kinds of milestones. And it's just in this, I'm sure John Syracuse can point to a Wikipedia article on what this phenomenon is called. But you know, you keep expecting everything to get better. And you expect it to get faster and expect it to get more solid. And so when it feels stalled or when it feels mm, not as good as what you remember, it's, um, it's like cognitive dissonance. You're like, this, this, something feels wrong about this. And so, you know, like I say, I mean, that's why I don't open mail.app. I don't have, I, you know what? I don't have a mail account I've configured on my iPhone. Can you believe that? So what, how are you checking I only out? notice it when it, when I, when I forget that I don't have it configured and it tries to say, send something. I just use mailbox yeah. on my phone, but it's not configured in the, it was just, I ran into some problems with configuring it a few years ago and I finally just gave up. So I haven't had mail on my, I haven't had stock mail on my phone in probably a couple of years now, which, you know, is crazy, but that's just, it was just easier that way. And just finding another app to use instead. But like, you know, how does that make somebody who works at Apple feel? You know, somebody who's been using this stuff since 1987, like just avoids entire swaths of their product line because of, you know, fear and loathing. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, but, I, yeah, you know, I will, um, I will pick up the mantle here. I have to do this for some worky work anyway. I have to be a little bit of an IT guy. So I'll, I'll go out and look around and see what the options are. But if you guys have something um, useful and positive to say uh, and suggestions, especially not so much iOS, but OS X, uh, very capable um, apps that we might not have heard about. You want to suggest that you know that normal people could use. You know, I don't want Pine Plus. But I mean, you know? what else? What else is there? You know about all of them. You know what I mean? Well, you're, use, you're using Mailbox, which is like the number one thing. There's Sparrow or nope. whatever, which Sparrow's is gone now. It's gone. It is actually. They just the week that I was about to suggest somebody try it, they said they're officially not going to release because it got bought by Gmail or Google. Yep. And they basically implement some of the stuff that was in the iOS app then got folded into Inbox, I believe. But nope, Sparrow's not really an option anymore. Mailbox doesn't work with IMAP. Postbox, I think, is one that some people have suggested. 
But, you know, it's, it's really strange that like there's still so many things to take into account. It's a little bit like uh, a puzzle that you have to solve. It's really no longer as simple as saying, hey, everybody uses an IMAP, just go use IMAP. There are many considerations now. Like, you know, are you, what are you using primarily on your phone? Because that does start to affect what you might want to use on the desktop. If you're not in the Gmail ecosystem, um, are you going to use some custom extensions that would only be usable? You know, like it drives some, like I have one of the people I'm working with loves SaneBox. So she's like, whatever you do, whatever I use can't screw up SaneBox because that is, that is the hack that has saved my life. And I guess all I'm saying is it's not really as simple as it used to feel of just going like, okay, any POP3 client will do. Like now pick the features that you want. Because mm-hmm. now there is more to it and you really, I feel like, don't have the fallback of going, well, I'll just use mail.app and it'll be fine. Because it's kind of not really fine. I, I, has it gotten better in Yosemite? No, I, I'll say no. I don't feel like it's gotten better for a long time. I feel like, I feel like Mountain Lion was all right. Um, but I feel like Mavericks, it was, it was much worse. And there were, there were a number of problems uh, with it in Mavericks that have, uh, I feel like they're still there. I don't really feel like anything has been addressed or, or improved. <laughs> and the biggest problem that I have with it is that even on this iMac that, that I use as a desktop machine, which is on, on a year old, you know, a year or so old. Um, and it's, a, it's not, was not the high end one, but it shouldn't have to be that, you know, somebody like me who has lots and lots and lots of email. And I know that I have too too much email in there. Uh, it's very, very, very slow, very, very, very sluggish. And when I say a lot of email, I mean, I haven't, I haven't gotten to inbox zero in, in years and it's really bad. It's really bad, Mm. but, but tens of thousands of emails, it's almost impossible to use. It's almost, you know, you hit reply and you just have to wait for it to figure out what you meant to do. I mean, because it is, isn't it? I mean, I remember uh, people still talk about this today. And when people were telling me why they don't want to use mail.app, these clients of mine, one of the things they say is that it does this thing I kind of remember it doing, which is it suddenly does some kind of mystery meat updating right. where it just needs to download. Do, do you get, have you gotten that where it, like it suddenly starts wanting to download a ton of messages and you're not sure why? Right. Yeah. And I, all of that, everything like that. All the great bugs. All the great bugs. I really don't understand it. I really just don't get it. Yeah. You know, I think it, you know, one thing that Apple has going for them is that uh, a lot of the, I have to guess that a lot of the corpus of people using OS ten today probably were not using Apple products in general, but Mac products in particular yeah. 10 years ago. No. I'm just guessing. So for a lot of those folks, that, that's kind of just what they're used to now. They, you know what I mean? And, and it works okay for what they need to do. If they're at work, they're probably using Outlook still. Or maybe not. But in any case, they, they, they get by fine with all of that. The, the, the part that's depressing to me is I went through this phase. You know, I used to kind of be a designer guy and a web design person many years ago. And so I had the whole like host of Adobe products, which I felt like they were just getting slower and clunkier and I don't, do you remember that in the mid 2000s where it seemed like fireworks used to seem so pithy and like you know photoshop was okay but like it got to where like i would do anything to try and i was starting to move into the apps that would become like the apps i use today like today i would much rather use acorn or pixelmator than open photoshop i don't even have photoshop on my computer anymore yeah. I, don't have, I don't own a copy of it anymore but uh there would be these times where like 
where you'd open a PDF or you'd open a PSD and you'd accidentally, or you'd open a dot doc and you'd accidentally, for some reason, open up Word or you'd open up, accidentally open up Photoshop, yes. et cetera, et cetera. Forget it. That's kind of how I feel with mail.app now, where like I'll, sometimes I'll do a search for something in Spotlight. I don't know how this is happening, but I guess maybe sometimes it's an attachment from mail, but it looks like it's, you know, foo.ping mm-hmm. and that's the file that I want. So I click it. And it launches mail.app and it's, it's that same sick feeling <laughs> as when I would accidentally open Photoshop and I go, I just have to sit there and watch this thing animate while it thinks about what it's going to do till I can quit it. Which, you know, I know that's not a particularly helpful note, but that's just not the kind of feeling you want people to have when you're Apple. Launching. No, it's really not. <laughs> that's mean. That was mean of me, wasn't it? No, it wasn't mean. I mean, it's accurate. And there's so many things that go into this. I mean, who knows what it is? Is it, is it a hardware thing? Is it a software thing? Is it both? But I just, I feel like you, we used to have all this horsepower on these machines and we were able to have applications that were, that were so straightforward and just worked and just did, you know, what, what you want to, and independent, and this is the thing that I don't know why I feel like this, but I feel like independent software developers, for some reason, they, they had it, they have it right still. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah, they're getting Acorn, it right. I use Ac- Acorn probably almost every day, at least three or four times a week. And I, you know, I get that. I mean, Pixelmator on the iPad is like unbelievable. Have you used Pixelmator on a new iPad? It's crazy. Yeah. But for me, Acorn on the Mac, it's like boom, open, bam, boom. I I never wait for anything. It does everything exactly the way I need. It's like my Microsoft Word of graphics. Oh, sorry, Gus. That's an awful thing to say. Um, I just love that app so much, and it does exactly. It has the just the right amount of features for what I need to do. I I know how to use the app. I get in, I get out, and I I. I I look forward to using it. I don't dread opening it like some apps. That's, yeah. I guess, a good indicator is whether you feel like, oh, this is going to be an ordeal to have to use. You know, kind of like I was saying, I mean, to spread the blame a little bit, like, I don't know why, but every Mac I've got, every connection I'm on, I mean, you do a fair amount of Google Drive spreadsheet stuff, right? Oh, I yeah. Mean, we, 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 we both use those together. Um, has that gotten less uh, responsive for you? Is it just me? Now, everything seems less responsive on the internet. Well, I'm, I'm saying it might just be me, but I feel like it's gotten way... It feels like they, they you know, whatever, they, there's so much that happens beside, behind the scenes with that application. I mean, there's so much JavaScript that's going on. There's so many, you know, they've basically built a full desktop application running inside in, in of a browser, browser without without Flash, you know? I, know? I know, I know. And it's like, it's maddening to think of what they're doing and never view the source on that because it will, your computer will just shut down. I remember doing that on Gmail back in the day. I'd just be like, what am I looking at? And it's, it's also obfuscated, you know? Yep. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, I mean, as much as I don't, I, I honestly don't mean to sound like an old guy. Um, what would be the perfect email scenario for you? Like, what is the, the perfect sin- scenario? What's the application that, that you want? And whatever happened to that application that these guys, the guys were going to build, and then they... they uh, never- oh, did I tell you about that? Whatever happened with that? Wait a minute. You mean the recent thing? Yeah. Oh, they said they changed the name. Oh. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, that's a, an offline story. The um, uh, what would I want? I don't know. I mean, I'm I I have enjoyed. I, I like so much about the navigation stuff in Gmail. I don't. I just don't. I'm not a. I don't love using email. <laughs> I'm not a fan. But when I have to use it, uh, the Gmail app is pretty fast. I do use Mailbox, as I say, mostly on my phone, and so that wants to fight Gmail a little bit because Mailbox is when you when you browse things, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's putting it into a subfolder in Gmail. Yeah. I've never had a problem with it. But since they're not really on the same page, 
uh, you know, but, but no, if I just need to go in and see what's new, I'm mostly fine with Gmail. I really do like those key commands. I guess one thing is, um, I don't know. I always feel like the, like one of the best apps that I never got to use, like one of my favorite apps that I just couldn't use because I didn't have a PC was home site. Um, was, which was, I think that was, that's what it was called. It was whatever the IDE for cold fusion was in the, um, late nineties. And, um, it's the only IDE I've ever seen where I, I, my eyes were just popping to do the kind of work where I worked. And I did a very, very small amount of cold fusion. I, you know, wasn't part of my, a big part of my job mostly, but watching people use that IDE was so amazing. What you could do with autocomplete and having it know, like guess that the tag should end here. Just an app like that, um, which I get to some extent with TextMate, but to have that in email would be kind of great. Um, and I know at this point now I am asking for feature bloat, but the, I guess if there's anything that I would want more of, it's having it be able to into, intuit based on how I work what I tend to do four times out of five. So, and, and you know, and this could, it doesn't have to be intuitive. It could be a feature you put in, but have it get better at knowing that when I type a date and time, and un, like an unambiguous date and time, there's a pretty good chance that, that that really needs to be a meeting invite and like automatically create that. Those kinds of things, um, you know, it's not that difficult to attach things, but if I used email more than I do now, uh, I feel like I would start to go a little crazy with how much dragging you still have to do these days in yeah. email to yeah. attach things, to intuitively have it understand things. Something more like somewhere between an IDE and a CRM, I guess, where mm-hmm. it's smart about knowing what, what, based on the kind of work that I do, know what I'm, what, let me put it this way, as the former Inbox Zero uh, zealot, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you know, you can, if you've actually ever listened to anything I've actually said, people, to me it's about making email functional. Sometimes that functionality means you delete it and never think about it again. But if you are going to do something with it, like what needs to be done with it? Well, you know, it kind of feels crazy to me that it's not super easy to, just for me, this is like, I'm, I'm one of like 15 people in the world that would want this, but like it should be easier to turn an email into almost anything, including a text file, including an OmniFocus task, including a calendar item, including an invite, or hell, have it turn into 10 different things, depending on what it intelligently knows I want to do. Because, you know, the, the place where I've arrived at with email is like, I sigh and I groan mostly out of other people's expectations of me and how poorly I'll ever be able to do what people want. I can't change that. But for the stuff I am and am doing something about and can do something about, uh, the phrase we used to use in the days of the early days of OmniFocus was shortening the line from cognition to completion. That, the, the goal, one goal, at least with me and Ethan back in the day, was cognition to completion. You should have to do the minimal number of things possible from something being an idea to being something that's finished. Not just capture to a list, but like anything that needs to be done about that, you need to have a very intuitive, friction-free way to turn that into something that will be a finished project. Mm -hmm. That's what you're really going to want. Don't think about tags. Don't think about key commands. Yes, those are things you'll need to get to there. But what would, if you were going to really blue sky this, like I would want um, like the world's greatest clippy. I would want something to Mm -hmm. go... Okay, you just typed up this message. It looks like it's formatted in Markdown. Yep, it is. Okay, so I'll format this as Markdown. It looks like you, this is a meeting invite. Yeah, it's a meeting invite. I mean, not in a clippy way, but I would love to have more where, like, once I'm done with that, I still have to go and create an OmniFocus task by selecting and doing the mail clipinator. I still, you know, nothing against any of these apps, but to have email be less of this island when everybody in the world knows it's the most important part of your computer. 
Like that's your expectation creating machine. Now, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. I got a lot to do. Well, I'd love to have more stuff in there that in a really fast way turns it into other kinds of, to abuse a legal term, actionable data. So should this thing turn into a spreadsheet? I mean, I know this is crazy blue sky stuff, but that's what I would want Hmm. is to, instead of thinking about email as a place where I hem and haw and shuck and jive and send lots of notes to people, make it a place where stuff gets turned into what it needs to be turned into. In some ways, what Entourage used to do better. Entourage used to be great at clipping one thing to another thing. And so all of your notes about this meeting via email get attached to that event. Is that easier to do today than it was in, in uh, 2005? I don't think so. I think it's uh, 2003, whatever. Like it's a, it's a lot less intuitive today. So you can do stuff like attach things to a meeting in uh, Google Calendar. There are little bits of this here and there, and I think Google is getting in front of this in a lot of ways, but that's what I would want. I would want something that treats email less as a place where I type messages uh, and have conversations and more as the very beginning of a workflow funnel for getting things accomplished. How's that for a tall order? So that's a tall order indeed. I mean, I think I think we've... We... You know, I hear people keep telling, coming up to me and talking to me about Slack. And they're like, oh, we're, we're using Slack now. I'm like, neat. Like, yeah, we don't even do email anymore. It's all Slack. And, yeah, I mean, I've... Unfortunately, used, lots of other people are stu- still doing email and probably wondering where right, you are. Right. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I think the idea of Slack.com is, is pretty cool. Um, Sandy likes it, you know. Um, but I think what it, the way that it really works is, is it, it's a really good for people who are spending most of their day in front of a computer, they're typing short, concise statements to other people that need short, concise answers from other people. They're sharing lots of links. They're sharing lots of media and they're working together in real time on a project. Well, that's, that's neat if you're in a certain kind of environment, but that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, it's a, a very a bespoke spe- app that is totally appropriate to that use. Yeah, but there, there, there's. I mean, everybody I know that uses Slack really likes it. They love but, it. Like, but, it's like a cult. But I guess, yeah. But I mean, when people say like, oh, you know, whatever their favorite tool is for anything, that used to be wikis, for example. Everybody wanted a wiki for everything. But like, everybody always starts out with a tool they like like to use, and then try to figure out how to make either make everybody else use that, or to wonder why everybody else doesn't use it. Well. The problem in this instance is the, the, sol- the problem that they're solving, as I understand it, is by bringing everything into Slack, yeah. which is good. But I mean, they're not the first company by a long shot to figure out that's the strategy. That's great. Now you've got a platform as long as everybody uses that platform. But what if you're not using that platform? Well, you know who's not using that platform? Everybody else. Mm-hmm. So everybody else has to deal with this same pile of crap. The smartest way to attack the problem is the way they're doing it, which is to say, well, you know, if it can fit into the aperture of this app, this is, it will be taken care of, and that's great. But what I'm saying is, you know, well, the challenging part is we have to introduce a little bit of the crazy human psychology that makes this difficult, which are things like these expectations, which are things like, as you and I have talked about so many times, how funny it is that people tend to send you a message in a message, send you a message in a time and style and fashion and location. It's way more convenient for them to send than it is for you to answer. And that's not a problem we'll ever solve, I don't think. Unless you choose to just start ignoring email. You still have to deal with the fact that you have to triage every one of those items that comes in and do something about it. And I have to say, like, I'm not, I'm not looking for like a wizard to come in and wave a wand, but 
I can tell you that if anything is going to get accomplished about an email, yeah, it might need a response. What it really needs is a meeting invitation. It needs, uh, it could be, needs something like a doodle type meeting, uh, arranging. So much of my emails, like trying to figure out when to talk to somebody about something. I don't know if you get that, but that's, that's always like on the horizon for me. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, I certainly could see, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's not an answer to this. It isn't some bloated piece of software probably, but. No, I admire Slack. I've never used it, but everybody seems to really like it a lot. You know, but I think that's the attempt of saying, like, what do we do about the email problem? Well, we, we can't fix email, so we'll come up with an alternative to email. That, that almost, when I heard you mention, you know, like spreadsheet, that kind of thing, it, it almost feels like they're saying, and, and, and I'm not trying to say that Slack is saying this, but I'm saying that, that it almost seems like Slack is saying, Email is broken. Let's let's make an alternative to it that is more like what the kids like, which is instant messenger and texting. So it's the it's it's this short kind of we're all doing this kind of quick conversation where everything's brought into it and everything is here and it understands everything. And maybe that's the answer. I don't know. Like it, when when phone phones have not really gone away i mean we have things like skype and we have things like facetime and people talking and chatting and doing video chatting um but maybe i'm old-fashioned i don't always want to do video chat with somebody sometimes i would rather just hear their voice other times i'd rather just type something to them i like the immediacy of a, of a text especially you know right before the show i'm like hey i'm running a minute late i gotta set this mm-hmm. thing up okay cool like if that had been an email you prob i'm guessing you probably wouldn't have even gotten the email because you were ready to go with your headphones on, ready to do it, but you will get a, a text message from your phone. Things like that, the immediacy of that, uh, are, are incredibly handy and very, very useful. So in a lot of ways, SMS, a text message, has replaced what we might have done with email. Email has certainly replaced what we might have done with a letter uh, and a fax. You know, like we got this thing from our health insurance company, which I still think is it's some kind of scam. I have to call them about it. But they're like, oh, we want you to send this thing and you have to fax it back to us. Oh, right, right, right. Like, well, then that, that's that's actually kind of a perfect example. Um, in my um, my ill-fated uh, non-book that I never finished, one of the chapters I liked the most um, that I was pretty proud of uh, is basically about solving rain. And it's you've heard me make this analogy many times before, but trying to solve email is a lot like trying to solve rain. And the thing is, you can solve a lot of rain-related problems through really a lot of very clever approaches, Mm -hmm. right? So if you've got a hole in your roof, you can patch it, right? Or if you're going to walk from here to a car and get dropped off at the airport, you can get an umbrella, which is a great personal (laughs) rain-solving device. Right. Um, The the thing is, though, that... and, And you know what? You could even choose to just never go outside, that is a way to solve the rain problem. But that doesn't stop the fact that rain exists mm-hmm. and rain is going to do stuff whether you like it or not. And so when people talk about whatever, and this is nothing against anything or anybody, but people get a little myopic because they feel like they're going to put their hands over their ears and just go, hmm, 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 hmm. Well, you know, that works as long as nobody important wants something from you. Mm-hmm. And the, the basic problem, the thing that makes email like rain, it makes it, makes it so wet and destructive <laughs> is that sometimes people are really going to want something from you and they kind of don't care what app you like to use. They don't care what kind of day you're having. They don't care what else is going on in your life. And they probably just don't care that you really just don't like dealing with email. There might be a hundred better places for it to go. And again, I return back to that 
from a human standpoint, that, that basic problem that people tend to send things in the way that they like sending it rather than the way that makes it easy for you to deal with. So that company, they're in a position to say, fax this to us because we've got the infrastructure for that. Does anybody else in America love faxing people stuff? Like, not really. No. But we all have it just enough. It's like VHS. Like, it's just enough that you can't let go of it forever. Hopefully that'll change in the next few years. But the reason I say that, I mean, like, that's to me, whenever anybody's trying to come up with some kind of, you know, like all-inclusive blue sky solutioneering about how they're going to solve email, I say that's like solving rain. Because even if you get all the technology hammered into the, just the one shape of instrument that you like to use, you'll still never change the fact of what everybody expects from you, right? And until you like get okay with the fact that you're disappointing people all the time with email, you can't really be that great with the email that you get. So part of what I'm saying is my capitulation is to say, yeah, I realize I got to do email. I kind of hate it, but I, I do. But what can I do to make this better for everybody? So that, now, you know, you're no longer trying to solve rain. You're trying to go, I just want to stay dry and only get wet when I really have to and it's an important event. So that to me becomes still the stack of problems on many levels. You have the, like the people that I'm working with are really struggling with just trying to keep this app usable. There's other people who are looking for certain kinds of features. Right. Next level up, people are looking features plus syncing. Plus, you know, redundancy and all these different kinds of things. I want to get it on my refrigerator or whatever. But like you keep moving up that stack, you start getting into things like, oh, you know, I find that I'm much more productive when I use, I mean, I don't like using this one app, but I'm actually more productive when I use it. Isn't that funny? I like using Mail.app, but I'm more productive when I use this other app. You move even further up in the stack, you keep going up and up and up and up, get closer to the rain, you're going to run into the human factors. And ultimately, nothing else in that stack is nearly as important as the human factors. And all the human factors that you as the recipient deal with, and certainly all the human factors of people who still cannot believe that you have not answered the email that went into your spam folder, for example. Like, how do you fix that relationship now? Like, you're the bonehead. That's the, that's the problem with email. That's the problem with any of these problems that were easy to solve would have been solved years ago but they're impossible to solve. And that's why it takes a huge amount of decision-making, clarity, and kind of dedication, and occasionally courageousness and fearlessness in, in, in facing them. So, I mean, I, you know, that's, that's why, you know, you know me, Dan, I like to complicate things. When yep. people make it sound simple, I want to make it complicated. I know. It's just that any of these things can be an answer as long as you're willing to ignore everything else. You know, and, and that's why when people, why do I get so mad when people go on about inbox zero and what it means? Well, cause that's, if that's what I said, that's only part of what I said. What I'm ultimately saying is as long as you have hope, you're screwed. This is an impossible problem that is unfixable. And it's much more about finding a way to make your peace and not go crazy mm-hmm. rather than think that you can build the perfect machine to make the rain go away. I like I that. I had too much coffee, Dan. No. Nah. Way too much coffee. Can I tell you about our last sponsor? Please. Our last sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace.com. That's it. You know what? It's, that's a drop you're in my with that, Dan. You're just an idea, man. I know. Well, they have redesigned Squarespace. If it's been a little while since you have seen or tried Squarespace, go check it out. Squarespace 7 came out, and it really, really made it. I mean, it was easy to use before, but they, they, they have achieved the holy grail, I think, of... Of, of, of building a website and that is you want to be able to see the site that you're working on but change it at the same time you want to be able to do all of your editing inline you want to be able to do drag and drop to control the way that the site looks and how it works and you can do that now and it's so amazing the little thing you know we're talking about keyboard commands you hit escape 
and uh, oh, yeah. while you're looking at your site, you just hit escape. Mm-hmm. And it and the little sidebar comes out, and now you're in the configuration mode of your site. You're editing your site. You're looking at that page that you were just looking at as a as a browsing you user. Know what that is Dan. That, that's VI for web design. It's VI for web design. And they do have the most beautiful designs. They they come out with new templates all the time, and all these things they're automatically responsive. And what that means is you can look at them in pretty much any browser, any modern browser for sure, and even the older ones looks okay in in ten year old browsers. You know what I mean? But in new browsers, on a new device, on new pla- uh, you know, if you're using a Mac, a PC, Android, iOS, tablet, whatever, these things all look really, really, really great. They've got a partnership with Getty Images, so you have access to the full catalog of Getty Images, and, and they're super, super cheap. Something you'd pay hundreds for from Getty directly, you, you're going to get for a few dollars. And uh, they even have cover pages, which are like these really classy landing pages that you can configure for different campaigns or just for the front cover of your site 24 seven support. And it's, it's eight bucks a month if you use our code. So you're going to want to go to squarespace.com slash back to work, all spelled out squarespace.com slash back to work. Just going there supports the show. But if you want to sign up, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. If you use the code, it's your show. So there's two things to remember squarespace.com slash back to work. It's your show. And uh, they did a cool thing with the dude. Did you see that? I know you're not a big sports fan, but it's been on lots of things besides the uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I got the uh, was it sleeping sleeping tapes. Is that what it's called? The sleeping tapes. Have you listened to them? They're really cool and really trippy. Super weird and exactly like what you would imagine. Exactly, Jeff Bridges would do. <laughs> yeah, I love that though. It's a, it's such a it's such a neat idea for a, for a, for a project and really highlights what you can do with the Squarespace site as well. Which I, I'd love to see them do more of that. I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah. So go check it out. Squarespace.com slash back to work. It's your show. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase. Love those guys. Great, great folks over at Squarespace.com. Thanks for supporting Merlin Mann and back to work. Woo, I'm winded. I feel like, you know, we're, we've, we've made some progress here. With what? With email, with the email problem. Hmm. You don't think? Oh, you mean with, with our discussion today? Yes. Oh God, I think we helped a lot of people. Yes, there's no question. I think every time that you make a confident person feel helpless, you're doing God's work. <laughs> somebody's yeah. got to take somebody's got to take those bastards down a peg. I know. Dial it down, Johnny. Seriously. Okay, let's button this up. I love you. I love you too, Marlon man. Mm-hmm.